Just sit in the coffee shop or at a local restaurant and listen in to other people's conversations. It won't take long before you hear how much someone loves their drink or loves how good their dinner is. We love a lot of things. We love movies, we love experiences, we love people, we even love being loved. But what does it really mean? Is our love in the right place? Do we even know what love really is? Let's take a deep dive into what God has to say about love. Welcome to our series, The Power of Love. Have you ever heard the acronym EGR? Anybody? I know Pastor Ben has. It's, it stands for Extra Grace Required. There are just some people in your life that require an extra amount of grace to deal with. You know what I'm talking about. Now listen, I've got a lot of educators in the room. It's the cringe when you see that student or that parent's name prop up on your phone or in your email. Extra grace required. It's the collective groan when that customer walks through the door. Oh, not them again. Not today. It's the automatic swipe. Oh, come on. It's that automatic swipe when you see that person pop up on your social media feed. I, I don't have the energy to deal with them today. Those people are called EGRs because they require extra grace. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then maybe the EGR in your circle of influence is you. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm just being funny this morning. Let's face it, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm the EGR in our family a lot of times. The girls yesterday, we were, we were in Dallas and they were like, Dad, you, you've got to stop. You got, I think I heard that phrase, Dad, you've got to stop, about five times yesterday and, and I didn't stop. I had a lot of fun. But let's face it, some people can be hard to deal with in life. We can, we can even be hard to deal with. Uh, a friend of mine posted on his social media feed this last week, he said, pray for your pastor's wife because she has to deal with your pastor. <laughs> Jesus taught his disciples about how to love people and the importance of loving people. And, and we looked last week and we talked about kind of a theme verse of this scripture. And the, really the basis of why we're doing this is uh, John 13, 34. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other, and your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, there's proof in our love for one another, and I want you to know that there's power in love. There's power in our love for one another. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so we're going to continue our series. It's a three-part series on the power of love. And really, this is one continuous message. I could preach all of this if y'all would give me two and a, an hour and a half to two hours on a Sunday morning. But since I only get about 30 to 40, I'm going to break it up into three sermons uh, for you. And so this is the second part of that sermon. If you, if you missed last week, I really encourage you to uh, go back and watch and listen to the message. You can find the links for that at connectedhope.com. There's a YouTube channel. And there's also a podcast, and so you can click on that podcast link, and it will take you 
where you can listen to it if you drive uh, on the road or, or, or you missed a message or maybe you just you, you wanted to hear it again or maybe you're having trouble to sleep at night and you just need a little sleep aid, you can listen to it again as there. It'll work great, I promise you on that. But last week we defined what kind of love we're talking about. And so I want to sum it up this morning. We're talking about agape love. And agape is the noblest word of, for love in the Greek language. The, the love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. It is unconditional love. Agape desires only the good of the one loved. It is a consuming passion for the well-being of others. 1 Corinthians 13 has long been called the love chapter. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. They had asked some questions. Uh, one of those questions was about public worship. And he's giving them a response. And he's saying, this is how you use the gift of the Spirit. And right in the middle of talking about how to respond in public worship, he says, listen, you can speak in the tongues of men and angels. You can do all of this stuff. You can have this. But if you don't have love, it's just a clinging symbol up here. It's just a, a gong. It's, it, it, it's, it's worthless. And so what Paul did is he dropped several paragraphs about love and how to operate. And in fact, he called it the most excellent way or in the New Living Translation, it says it's a way of life that is the best of all. And in that, he defines what love is. And that's really what this series is about. We're looking at the definition of how Paul defined love. And he said in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And that's where we stopped last week. And this week we're going to continue on with or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not being irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice. But rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This series looks at each of these definitions of what love is and what love is not more closely. But this section, this verse of scripture, if you will, really is a good reminder about how to respond when dealing with the EGRs of the world. The first thing I want to see you to see this morning, you can follow along in your notes or go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app, is that love is not rude. The word translated is not rude refers to actions that are improper. It's uh, Maybe uh, your translation says it like this, love does not behave in an unseemly way. This means that love does not behave impolitely, discourteously, or crudely. Believers who use their gifts with love will be careful to act in a manner worthy of their calling before God. They will never humiliate others. This may also have kind of been one of the problems in the church at, at Corinth, maybe especially in their worship services, that they, they, they were having a problem with people being rude as they were trying to express and use their gifts. For us, instead of practicing self-assertiveness, love makes us more tactful, a little bit more polite. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. We all have a responsibility for our actions. You know, one of the things I hear sometimes is, well, you know, I didn't mean to come across that way. It, it's really on them. No. 
we're responsible to do to others as we would have them do to us. In my first ministry position, I was the youth pastor and the worship leader and taught Sunday school class. And so before, uh, before service, we had Sunday school, and the Sunday school was out in the youth room. And I would have to leave the youth room. Come, The quickest way to my office was to come through the sanctuary, around the back, and go get into my office, and I would go and grab my notebook. I would go grab my Bible. You know, uh, in those days, you know, wore a suit and tie, and I would go and put on my coat, and I would rush back out to the stage, just in time for the first note. I mean, I'm talking you sprinting through. And one thing about me is I'm very focused. Like if 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 I get focused on something, it's it's very hard for me not not uh, you know. To not, uh, well, see, I can't even focus right now. It's very hard for me to think about anything else. And so if I have my mind on my next task, I'm, I'm ignoring that. Because if I don't, then I'm very much a squirrel. Like I'm over here and I, I'm, I'm looking to this. I mean, I, all these kind of things. And so I ran, I would run every Sunday through the sanctuary. I mean, not really run, but fast walk, you know, Olympic style. You know I'm talking about? You know, and and I would get through the sanctuary. One day, my pastor came to me and he said, "Hey, hey, I need to talk to you." And I said, "He goes, there's a lady in the church," and he called her name, and she said, "She came to me and she said, I don't think our youth pastor likes me." And he said, "Well, why? Why don't you think?" She goes, "Every Sunday, I try to say hi to him, and he completely ignores me." And so he assured her, he says, he, he likes you. He's just focused on his next assignment. And so he said to this, he said, you can run from the youth room until you get to the sanctuary. You can, as soon as you shut the door, you can run to your office. He said, but I want you to slow down. I want you to slow down as you walk through the sanctuary. And he said, pay attention to people. I said, I got it. I got it. Lesson learned. So next Sunday comes, I finish teaching Sunday school, wrap it up, pray, amen, let's go. <sighs> Open the door, come through, get to the sanctuary. <laughs> Hello, sister so-and-so, how are you today? It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Walk past, it's good to see you. Hi, hi. Boom, get there. That lady became one of my biggest supporters the entire time that I was there. All it took for me was to get my mind off of my task and get my mind on people. That my job is not, even though I could stand and lead worship for a crowd of people, that if I don't have love or if I'm acting rudely, did you notice it wasn't my intent? My intent was not to be rude to this lady. God creates us all with different personalities. And mine is just why I'm wired this way. I'm not making an excuse, but sometimes I have to remind myself, slow down and be focused on the moment and on the people. Not on anything else, not on the breaking news of the day, but to be focused. That's the essence of this scripture. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Love is not rude. Can I get a good amen this morning? I told y'all at the beginning of the series, I'm going to teach a little bit more than I preach. Love, write this down, does not demand its own way. Maybe your translation uses the phrase, it's not self-seeking. 
Other translations understand it as does not insist on its own way or is not selfish. Both arise from self-centeredness, and this is the very opposite of love. Now, if you've ever had kids, you understand this scripture, especially when it's time to claim the front seat. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I'm getting in the front seat. Listen, I've got two that are on, one, one that's already an adult, one that's almost an adult, and, and, and still there's times that the front seat is a, is a you know, a challenge in, in, our, in, our, in our midst, okay? People, listen up, Kins. People, <laughs> people who are self-seeking always want their own way. I'm not talking about just the front seat. They want, they want their way when, they, when they're going to, out to eat. They, if you don't go to their restaurant, they're mad. They pout. They're selfish. They're self-centered, wanting what they think is best for them. And that's the opposite of love. Love, agape, looks out for others. It seeks the best interest. It willingly gives up its own for the sake of another. A self-seeking person may use his or her gifts but not have a serving attitude or desire to build the kingdom. It's about me. You, you, you know, here's my gift. I'm just going to throw it out there. Oh, it's just not right. Then, then, then I'm not, I don't need this. You know, I preached at a church a couple of Sundays ago. And when I got up on the stage or when I, when I was sitting there before this, it started, I looked at the stage and there was no stage monitor right here, like this right here. If I don't have this, I don't think you can hear me. Like I can hear myself right now. It's probably louder than even maybe you can hear me. But if I don't have this monitor here, then guess what? I'm going to blow my voice. So halfway through the message, my voice freezes. I have to stop because I couldn't talk anymore. And I had this moment before service. I saw that there was no monitor. I immediately got nervous, and I thought, I'm the guest speaker. <laughs> I, can, I can say, hey, could you get me a floor monitor so that I can hear my voice, or I'm going to blow my voice. Would that be okay? And immediately I was like, no way. I'm not going to be a diva. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a bowl of green M&Ms in the green room over here. I'm not going to ask for room temperature water. I'm not going to have a rider. I'm just going to trust God this morning. And I put myself aside because you, using your gifts is not about you. It's about God. Amen. It doesn't have to be perfect. Instead, the gifts are only used. Sometimes people only use their gifts if, if it can benefit them. I knew a guy one time wouldn't sing in the choir but had a great, incredible voice. He wouldn't sing in the choir because he would only sing solos. Guess what he didn't get to do either. That's not God's way. Instead, because of love, a believer uses their gifts to benefit others. When we have our gift, it's not for our benefit. It's for, their, it's for the benefit of others. Love is not self-seeking. It does not demand its own way. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Paul's talking about, you know, how you eat, okay, what foods you eat here. He said, you, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. But I want you to see the principle here. He says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. 
Donald Stamps commented, he said, the primary concern in any matter of personal conscience or Christian freedom must be to do what honors God and what is most beneficial for others in their relationship with God. A Christian's focus should not be on his or her own rights, but on what is truly best for others who may follow their example or look to them for an impression of what Jesus is like. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So love has a way of making us more concerned for the real needs of others and less preoccupied with our own rights. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Third thing, love is not irritable. Mm. NIV says it's not easily angered. The King James, it's not easily provoked. The word here used could be translated as touchy. Love is not touchy. Now, I'm not talking about touchy-feely. I'm talking about touchy, like you say something and, ooh, they get all mad and bristled up. Love is not sensitive to slights. These people let things get on their nerves. If you're easily angered, you let things get on your nerve. One believer in the process of exercising his or her rights may irritate another believer. These easily angered believers may not like the style or manner in which these others exercise their gifts. Or they may get easily angered at anyone who crosses them. This is not the way of love. I've seen people get upset over the, not you people, y'all are great. But I've seen people get upset because their dish is not put in a certain plot, spot in, in the potluck line. Well, I, I should have had mine there. I can't, I can't believe, I can't believe they, they served that like that. They should have served it like this. Well, why don't you volunteer for being a part of the hospitality team? I'm sure that they would be happy with this. Oh, I just don't like that song. That song irritates me. I don't like some of the songs we sing either. Because <laughs> it ain't about me. Can I be honest with you? It's not about me. Well, I don't like that they serve those kinds of donuts here at the church. Church shouldn't, have, shouldn't, church shouldn't be about having donuts and coffee. Well, I'm sorry that you uh, don't like donuts. I mean, I, I think it's okay. I think Jesus broke bread. You know, he didn't have Krispy Kremes back in, in, in that day and age, or I'm sure that might have been, uh, you know, we might be having donuts and, and coffee for, uh, for communion every Sunday. I mean, you know, come on. I, I, I think we get so bristled up about things a lot of times in the, in, in the body of Christ that we, we, we let things get on our nerves. We let things bother us. We take offense at things, and, 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 and that's not the way of love. When believers exercise their gifts in love, they should be, given, be able to give one another some latitude to follow God as they see fit. I'm not talking about matters of, of sin. I'm talking about matters of preference. They will not let themselves be easily provoked over disagreements, but they will be able to always respond in a loving manner. I'm not talking about, again, not talking about having a righteous anger against sin. Notice in Scripture, when Jesus made the whips and drove the money changers out of the temple, he was dealing with the religious people. 
supposed followers of Jesus Christ who were blatantly sinning. But when the woman who was caught in the act of adultery came before Jesus, he said, listen, he who was at sin cast the first stone. And then he looked at the lady and he loved her and he said, go and sin no more. He said, listen, he told, he, he told her to go and sin no more. And I think we have to understand that, that he offered grace in that moment. So he treated those who were followers of God different than those who were sinners. This is not the kind of anger that we're talking about, this, this righteous indignation at sin. And there's things that happen in our world that, that man, that, that just happen in, in the body of, of Christ and, 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 and people that moral failures and corruption and, and bureaucracy and things that Jesus would make a whip and drive out that, that really fires me up at times. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about matters of preference and people who are easily angered, however, are usually upset about personal offenses. Well, they offended me. Minor issues. This stifles their service for God and the use of their gifts. In the Life Application Commentary, Barton and Osborne explain it like this. Paul says that that true love isn't easily angered. Sometimes we're irritated or angered by others, and we don't know why. Not all irritability stems from sinful or selfish motives. Although the irritable treatment of others surely is wrong, much irritability comes from a love of perfection, a deep desire that programs, meetings, and structures be run perfectly. A desire to run things perfectly can erupt into anger at events or people who get in the way or ruin their desire. Those who are easily irritated need to remember that perfection exists only in God. We need to love him and our fellow Christians, not the visions we have for perfection here on earth. Let me understand you. We want excellence. We want to do our best. We want to try and try our best, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. So we go back to the drawing board. We get, we get back and we work a little bit harder. We try to get 1% better that, that week. But we can't let those things bottle up to where they become offenses in our life. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus warned against unholy anger. He said, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. You must, if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say to you, now that Jesus, he ups Annie. You know, a lot of people will say, well, Jesus came, you know, to, you know, do away with the law. And really, any time in Scripture you see it, Jesus has made it, you know, he, he upped the ante. He says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, that's Jesus' word. Okay? I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Jesus is not speaking of a justified anchor against the wicked or against cruel or righteous indignation against sin. Rather, he's in condemning the act of judging another out of anger and with the desire to harm or kill another person. The term here is raka. It's a term of hatred. And it's much like calling a person an empty-headed fool. Calling a person a godless fool in anger may indicate a heart attitude that places one in dangers of the fire of hell. That's where he's saying. So what, what is our response? James 1, 19. My dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. What happens is we're quick to get angry, and then we're quick to speak, and then we're slow to listen. 
because our mouth begins to run faster than our brain can compute. And we say things that we don't mean, and we hurt people's feelings, and, and that's not love. In his book, Unoffendable, great book, by the way, Brant Hansen, he said it like this. He said, we should forfeit our right to be offended. That means forfeiting our right to hold on to anger. And when we do this, we'll be making a sacrifice that's very pleasing to God. It, takes, it strikes at our very pride. It forces us not only to think about humility, but to actually be humble. Okay, so can I meddle this morning? Okay, I got one yep, so that's all I needed. I'm not just meddling with you, but I hope this is, goes out online and people see this. 123.7 million people watched the Super Bowl, making it the most watched program in American TV history this last week. Now, that's a lot of people watching, but I want to tell you something this morning. That's a lot of people's opinions. There were more battles than just the one that was on the field this week. Now, I watched it for personal enjoyment. I enjoy, I enjoy football. I enjoy the sport of football. I, I, I grieve the loss of football at, at the end of the season. And then I, be, I immediately remind myself that the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl next year. Okay? But as I got on social media following the game, and not just following the game, but the next day and the next day and the next day, there were those that opined about how often a certain pop star was shown and others who were offended because people had that opinion. There were those that were mad that a certain tight end passionately addressed his coach and others who claimed that those upset knew nothing about the intensity of a football game. There were those that loved the halftime show and there were those that couldn't stand it. There were Christian leaders who applauded the commercial about Jesus and then there were those who said it was unbiblical. There were those that were upset that someone spent millions of dollars on a 60-second commercial instead of using that money to feed the poor. We live in a world that is easily offended. We live in a world that is easily offended. 2024 is also a year full of hot-button issues that are bigger than what happened last Sunday night. Locally, I hope you saw the news this week, we have a school bond that is going forward. And I'm going to just tell you right now, I'm neutral, okay? As a pastor, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for on any election. I'm just, I'm just going to be your pastor because I know I, pe I pastor people on both sides of the fence. So here's my spill. Pray and ask God. If you go to the poll and you don't pray and ask God who to vote for, then you're doing it wrong as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you, you should go to the poll. You should go vote. So we have a, a, a school bond, but we also have locally contested primary things. And so there are people that are running for this office and running for that office and running for that. There's some great people out there. It's a, it's a rare time that I will endorse a candidate. I'm just going to say it's a rare occasion, but there are good people out there. And usually what I find out is there are good people on both sides of the equation. In a primary situation, pray and ask God. Nationally, we're looking at another hotly contested presidential election. Pray and ask God. Jesus told his disciples that the world will know us by our love for one another. I'd rather at the end of 2024 that people know that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ than for my opinion on any hot button issue in society. Amen. I may be the only one, 
But my, my, my love for one another is bigger than what happens. Because I'm going to tell you, there's not going to be Republicans and Democrats or, or Libertarians or any, any kind of other political party in heaven. Oh, I, 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 listen, I know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm treading on thin ass this morning. But church, I, I want you to hear my heart today. If we want to make a difference, then we need to be the most loving people. And we may need to make allowances for each other's fault. Listen, be be knowledgeable, but pray and ask God. Be knowledgeable. Pray and ask God. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm telling you, I've gone to the poll at times, and I'm, I'm ready to vote for a certain person. And when I, walked into the door, when I walk into the door, the Lord checks my heart, and I've changed my vote. Why? Because I spent time in prayer. I want to hear his voice. And so I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you no matter what sticker's on the back of your car. I'm going to love you no matter how you, how you vote in the bond election. I'm going to love you if you like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I'm going to love you if you don't. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. Why? Because the proof of my discipleship, as a, of a disciple as Jesus Christ is my love for one another. So what I'm going to choose to do is not to be offended by anybody or anything. Listen, I'm going to tell you there's times I get offended and then the Lord checks my heart. And then there are times that there's a holy righteous indignation and I have to determine is that, a, is that because of offense? Am I offended about something? Or is it because this is a moment that I need to take a stand? I don't think everything needs my voice. We live in a social media world where so many people think that everything needs their voice. Oh, this happened today. Oh, I've got to make a statement. No, we don't have to. What we do is we pray and we get, we get opportunities to love and to serve. I never want my words. I never want something that I post to be offensive to somebody. My opinion, I'm not talking about scripture. Scripture offends. The very nature of it does. But I'm talking about my opinion. I never want my opinion when I post it that it, it, that it be so damaging to a relationship. Now, I'm going to tell you, church, I don't bat a thousand on this, but I'm striving. Because I believe that this is a year of hot button issues and we've got to do our best. Can I get a good amen? Here's the last thing. Thank you for that. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Believers must not allow themselves to become easily angered, easily angered, but they also must not keep a record of wrongs. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Some people will remember every fence against them as, as though it were written in the book and tallied. <laughs> like, I remember at... 3 p.m. on September the 12th, 1996, that you said this. These aren't wrongs a lot of times, and really what he's talking about are not sins that need to be dealt with, but they're minor offenses, misunderstandings between believers. Those who keep record of these wrongs and personal injuries, what happens is they begin to harbor resentment. They begin to harbor resentment. 
They begin, and then what happens is because you've got this long list of offenses, then all of a sudden when the person comes up and they do something slightly like they have done in the past, it triggers offense. Immediately, you're bristled up. Love makes allowance for each other's faults. Willingly forgets about wrongs that were done. This frees all believers to grow and mature in Christ and to grow in their ability to serve and use their gifts. And when mistakes are made, love overlooks them and allows believers to continue to serve with the gifts God has given them. God does not keep a record of believers' wrongs. The opposite of keeping a record of wrongs is what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness means that we wipe the record clean and that we never hold these things against people. Ephesians 4.26 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. There are times that you have to understand that you, you, you got to deal with it. Because the longer you don't deal with it, it's right there. It's on a record. It's it's a record wrong, and then something else happens, and it's there. And so some people have the personality that they just take it and take it and take it and take it and take it, and all of a sudden they explode. They don't even have that personality anymore, but they, you know, that's not there. They're not demonstrative. They're not there. I worked with a guy one time, and he he did this. I mean, we we're sitting there, and all of a sudden. I, I said very nicely, and in fact, uh, my boss was there with me. My pastor that I was working for was with, with me, and I, and I just said, hey, this has not been getting cleaned. Um, you know, could you make sure that you vacuum this area of, of the church? He's a maintenance pers- person in our church. Very nice. Dude, exploded on me. Like, and he was the most mild-mannered dude. And, I mean, in fact, it kind of took both of us back. And we, Pastor and I looked at each other. And the lady guy just came in and, and, and repented. But he had, he had let things fester in his life instead of dealing with it. And, and I was just the, the one little drop that broke the camel's back, you know. And he was like, whoa, where did that come from? And so he had to go back and deal with all of his other stuff. And so sometimes what happens is we keep this record of wrongs and we let anger give a foothold to the devil and then just explodes out on everybody. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted. And I want you to underline, circle this. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you want to run relationships, keep a record of wrongs. If you want healthy relationships, you got to choose to forgive. It's been my experience that when people break a relationship over something that you're like, I mean, I mean, think about it. Go back, go back to when you're first married and your first fight. I guarantee you 90% of the first fights are over something crazy and stupid. But what's happened is people, they let some things built up and not dealt with it early on. And then all of a sudden they have this big fight. And so what happens is, by my experience, that when people break a relationship over something goofy, it's because there's a long list of things that they haven't forgiven. Proverbs 17, 9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. 
but dwelling on it separates close friends. 1 Peter 4, 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love does what? It covers a multitude of sins. And what that means there is that when we love one another, when we show deep love for one another, and we treat people with kindness and respect, not easily angered, not rude, not proud, not these things. We don't keep a record of wrongs. We don't demand our own way. That that love covers a multitude of sins. That when somebody legitimately does something that hurts us, there's enough love in the tank that all of a sudden we can let that offense go because we genuinely love that person. We genuinely care about our spouse. We genuinely care about those friends. We genuinely care about those people. So I want to challenge us today. Choose love. Choose to forgive. Choose to set aside things that offend you. Because I promise you, you'll be much happier. And those around you will be much happier. And the world will see that we are true disciples of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. I pray today, God, that you would speak to hearts and change lives. Lord, we worship you today. We worship you today. Maybe you're here in this room or you're online today with heads bowed and eyes closed. I pray right now that God would speak to your heart this morning that he would touch your life. If you're in this room and you don't know who Jesus is, or maybe, maybe you're online today and you haven't, don't have a relationship with God, but you're searching for something, the scripture teaches us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It tells us that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So with your head bowed and eyes closed this morning, if that's you, if you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm asking you today, when I count to three, would you, would you slip up your hand? Maybe you're online today and you want to put a comment in the comment section. But would you respond to God today? When I say three, if that's you. One two, three. Anybody here today? Come on, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. As I prayed and as I sought for this, how to end this service today, there's just a, a couple of things. You know, I think at all times, we probably do things that come across as rude to somebody. And I think it's just making, asking the Lord, would you help make us aware in those moments so that we do, we're not being rude. We're not being hurtful intentionally. Oh, but I, I do think that part about self-seeking, demanding our own way, 
keeping a record of wrongs, those kinds of things, being easily angered. I think those are things in our life and our spirit that we need God to work on us. And so this morning, as I, as I, as I spoke to you, there were probably one of those areas, maybe not all of them, but maybe one, that really just impacted you and like, man, he's talking to me today. Good, goodness, pastor, you're reading my mail. No, I'm, I'm just preaching what God gave me today. This wasn't aimed at any person in, in anybody in this place. So if you felt that today, that wasn't the conviction of Rusty. That was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But maybe you've been holding on to some unforgiveness. Maybe you've been carrying some offense. If that's you this morning, in a moment, I want to invite you to come for prayer. And I'm going to invite others to come as well for other things. But I want you to come. I want you to respond, not to this preacher this morning, but to respond to God. And I want you to give yourself to him and say, God, I don't want to carry this weight anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to keep these records of wrongs anymore. God, I don't want to carry this unforgiveness. I don't want to carry this anger. I don't want to be so touchy and easily offended and easily angered. I, I want to give this to you today. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond and, 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 and not respond to this preacher, but respond to God. The second group I want to talk to this morning is this. Is there some of you that you need a miracle in your life today? I believe that you need a miracle of provision. I just sense that there's some people in this room that need a miracle of provision in your life. There's some today that you need a healing in your life. There's some in today that, that you've got a meeting, you've got a meeting this week that you need to go a certain way or, or you, you need God's favor upon. There's just something that you need a God's intervention on. I want to stand in the gap with you today. And so there are a couple of different things. I know I'm scatter shooting this morning with this, but I, I really sense it in my heart. So heads bowed, eyes closed today. If you needed to respond to God because of the message today, you're carrying unforgiveness, and you're easily angered, you're self-seeking, whatever it is, and you're just saying, I need God to work on me in this area. I want with heads bowed, eyes closed. I want, I, I want you to raise your hand right now if that's you today. Yes, I've been carrying some stuff. Yes, 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 yes. I've been carrying some stuff. Yes, there are about six, seven hands that went up this morning. There's a second group of people. You need God to do a miracle in your situation. You need intervention, whether it's a meeting this week that you need God's favor upon, whether it's provision, whether it's healing in your body, whatever it is, you need an intervention on God. You need God to do a miracle in your life or your family. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hands across the room this morning. If you're online, respond by putting a comment in the comment section or send us an email at prayer to hopefamily.tv. So here's what we're going. We've got a lot of hands this morning, and we got a lot of time to pray. But I'm going to believe God this morning with you. So I'm going to ask you, as Carissa begins to lead us, would you get out from where you're standing? And I want you to come down, and we're going to pray, and we're going to believe that God's going to do a miracle in your life. Come on, would you begin to come as she sings this morning?
against you this week and you're going to say I'm I'm just going to tell you church I wrote this message this last week I've been been dealing with this already I'm ready to move on to something else love is patient love is kind it's not proud it's not rude it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it doesn't keep a record of wrongs you to claim that. There's a story, and I'm going to close with this. A few years ago, you guys met Hugo. Came, Hugo was a gang member that, uh, that came to service with us. It was in June, a year and a half or so ago. Hugo was this gang member that came into my life when I was about 20 years old. And I'm going to tell you, Hugo was the definition of an EGR. I was probably the definition of an EGR for Hugo. And I'll never forget the night that we're laying in bed. We, we were roommates laying in bed. And he said, Pastor, Pastor Scott says, I need to talk to you. I've been having thoughts of wanting to kill you. I don't know if you've ever had anybody say they want to kill you or not. But that doesn't sound warm and fuzzy to me. Especially for a guy that affectionately called ice pick Mr. Shank and he slept with it every night so I said Hugo I forgive you waited about five minutes snuck out went upstairs there's four cell phones folks called got on got on the the line we were living in the church got on the line and I called the youth pastor Scott and I said hey Hugo just told me he wants to kill me. It's just me and him here tonight. Do you think I need to come stay at your house? He said, nah, you'll be fine. Thanks, Pastor Scott. But he said, in the morning, I'm making Hugo get up, and I'm making him pray 1 Corinthians 13 over your situation. And he said, you don't have to because you're not the one with the problem, but I think it would be good if you got up with him and you begin to pray that. And he said, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to pray. God, your word says love is patient. Help me to be patient with Hugo today. And he said, one of you pray it, and then the other one of you pray it. I said, yes, sir, I'll I'll do that. So got up the next morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, go up to the chapel in the church. Love is patient. Hugo, why don't you start? God, your word declares love is patient. 
Help me to be patient with Rusty when he's getting on my nerves today. When I want to shank him with Mr. Shank. No, he didn't pray that. But that's how I felt. So we prayed. I'm going to tell you, that guy became a close friend. So close that years later, he came to be here with me and, and to be a part of, of what God is doing here. And, and I love the guy. So what I want to say to you is something can shift in your relationship when you begin to pray about it. So Lord, this week, would you help us to be kind? Would you help us not to keep a record of wrongs? Lord, when we walk through difficult moments and seasons in life, would you just would you just help us to, to pray instead of getting irritated? When we see something and we get offended by it, Will you help us to take it to prayer and to deal with it and release it? And God, I just speak over this congregation today that you would bless them, that you would keep them, you'd make your face shine down upon them, and you would be gracious to them, and you would give them peace. Come on, can I get a good amen, everybody? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one hand of praise today. Amen. God bless you, church, this morning. God bless you today.